Excuse me! Hey, what the? I said excuse me. Gun. Damn. Who the hell you think we are? That's right, we're Gundam at MAHQ. And in this episode, we actually have an anime spotlight on one of the one of the greatest super robot animes to come along in a long time. That's right, Gurren Lagan. And also, we have a um, a Gundam roundup on one of the most grittier, or what, uh, the pretty much the the greatest depiction of uh, Gundam, which is um, Mobile Suit Gundam Eighth MS Team. Before we begin, I'd like to introduce our regular cast and, of course, our special guest. We introduce him first. Um, my man Pedro is here. Oh boy, you got my man stuck. <laughs> oh, oh, why? Oh, I didn't mean wow. to diss you. You hurt me. You hurt me. Wow. You hurt. So you get beat up by your girlfriend and <laughs> and and then beat up by her mom and. Uh, I beat up my my one arm girlfriend and beats me. Try to get a large Gundam to move, but you can't. You just start crying in the cockpit. Deliver <laughs> pizza. You know. I'm a good bartender. They're gonna write. Jack of all trades. You, you, you get you get denied by some other guy to dance with a girl, like the guy in Wing. Also, uh, I'm sorry, Peter, but once once the garland has been thrown of my man, he can never. It's, it's like a curse. <laughs> oh, damn it! Oh, Pedro, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't mean to poop all over you, man. I'm sorry. Uh, it's all right. It's all right. The curse of, of Oyashiro. Yeah, you uh, you will forever fail in life now because you've been cast as man. Just for just for that, I'm trading Sokka to kick your ass in February. <laughs> Before we before we kick this off, uh, we have a little bit of um, news to cover with Neo. Well, we forgot to introduce ourselves. Uh, oh, 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 it's oh, oh, Neo oh, oh, here, and and of, and of course, coming coming live from Miami, Chris. <laughs> I just stepped all over you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's let's do some news. And here's hoping that that Sobro won't jump the gun and ruin all of the stories as he always does. Yeah, Sobro will turn off his mic. Yes, and yell in the background. Please do. <laughs> going to mute your mic Bill O'Reilly style. Yeah. Actually, pretty pretty light on the, the news front, and uh, we're actually kind of keeping this the light episode with just the two topics, and I'll keep it light on the news here also. And, um, you know, Neo's news is now, um, it's now educational, as I oh. found out from one of our other posters. Uh, he's actually used one of my stories to help him with a, a geography project, so I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing for him. <laughs> Where's your it, cut, man? Where's your cut? Well, I mean, it's just he's in school, so what am I going to get? Half a A? Get the, get a gold st- get the gold star half the gold star (laughs) half the gold star but um uh just quickly um got some good news from gundamnews.net on the official english 00 website there's actually a special message from one of the producers sunrise producer uh hiroima akea and i'm not going to read it but i encourage anybody to go down there and um you know, take a look at it. it's on the Gundam Fish or the Gundam Double O English website. It's actually a pretty nice thing. He's basically in a summarization, just uh, thanking everybody for you know checking out, you know, wanting the show, and 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 he hopes that uh, everybody enjoys it as much as some of uh, you know some of the pre you know the the pre hype about this show has been going. So um, you know, it's actually kind of cool to see something like that. I mean, I wish maybe people in the United States would do that and say you know thank you for watching watching some things. But uh, I guess we'll, we can't always get what we. Wish for. Uh, continuing on on some Gundam Double O news uh, for all your soundtrack buffs like Soulbro and Chris. Uh, the third soundtrack of Double uh, O is actually going to be going up in Amazon Japan. Uh, coming out actually the day before Christmas. Oh man, uh, the twenty fourth. So um, you'll be able to have uh, 
plenty of Gundam 00 music to play while you're eating turkey and stuff and opening your presents on uh, Christmas so, Day. So about the time we start reviewing the show, I'll have music to put in the background. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. But um, uh, some other stories here. I actually got this one off of Anime News Network. It's kind of related to what we talk about here on Gundam, but I, I think it's definitely something that we need to just touch upon. There is a trailer, a 49-second trailer that's available on the... I guess they're going to be doing... There's a U.S. adaptation of Astro Boy. Yes. And they released a, a QuickTime trailer on, on their website, and it's also going to be uh, shown before Madagascar Escape to Africa... And it was. It's going to be shown when they show Disney's Bolt uh, later on this week. So um, I didn't just... see it during Madagascar. Actually, we. I went to go see it the other day. Oh, okay. I didn't see it. Oh, okay. But, um, but it, it could. It, that's that's the theater politics right there. But you know, it probably was shown. I just. I, I had to see it online myself. But the uh, the film is slated for to come out on uh, October twenty third, two thousand nine. Um, just a, you know, just a cool little thing to report about because especially, um, you know, without. Astro Boy, I don't think we'd uh, the industry would probably be the way it is, and uh, you know this is one of the classics. So uh, it's a sixty-five million dollar adaptation. So they are doing a lot of um, wow, uh, you know some uh, uh, you know it's kind of big budget and it's also uh, computer generated. So you know, well, I guess we'll see more and kind of go from there when it comes out. And this is actually a new story for myself, and it's also <laughs> got a for Anime News Network, and this has no connection to anything that we talk about in Gundam. But uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> on uh, December twentieth in Japan, there's going to be something called the Jump Fiesta or Festa. Jump Festa, and oh, it, they're going to be showing a thirty minute. Um, they're going to show some special footage for thirty minutes, and they're going to have a panel uh, with some of the stars of the live action film of Dragon Ball Z. Oh Jesus! Wow. So. <laughs> Even though I'm not hoping much out of this, uh, it'll be kind of interesting. Hopefully, somebody can bootleg and so we can see what the show <laughs> looks like. And for all those that are concerned, uh, it's going to open in Japan on March 13th and in North America on April 8th. So um, as much as I love Dragon Ball Z, I'm sure I will be disappointed. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to hear a loud sound from across the ocean. It's going to be a train wreck all the way oh. <laughs> over, over the ocean. Well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to... I'm not going to crap on it too much because you just you never know. But from what it looks like, yeah. It's... First impressions are nuts. Yeah. No oh, wow. Vegeta. Why even bother? Yellow Piccolo. What? Why James Marster? Why? <laughs> <laughs> hey, guy needs shoes, man. Man needs shoes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got two uh, listener submitted articles here. Um, actually, these are some ones that you know. Just lately, we've been getting a lot of good articles, but most of them you're going to have to visit the uh, Neo's News listener submitted articles thread to really kind of get the full scope of these articles mainly because there's some good pictures along with what they're talking about and this one is actually courtesy of one of our great uh, submitters uh, demon lord of l5 i know i think it was last episode we talked about there's these usb jump drives for kogias and gurren Logan, which we'll be speaking about later on in this episode that they're selling in japan well they, they actually have some other ones they have done and one is a gundam usb flash drive and it's basically the the rx78-2 <laughs> and super deformed version well, what makes it kind of funny is his legs come up and that's where the usb port comes out and it basically comes out of his rear end so what there, yeah, you'll have to go to the site. You'll actually, you'll, you'll actually see there's a picture showing him 
just sitting, you know, standing up. And then you see the Gundam USB drive stuck into a side of a laptop. And it's basically the USB port is in his butt with his feet up. So it's like he's sitting down plugged into the thing. And what makes it even more disturbing is in addition to that one, and it's approximately, it's a four gigabyte storage and it's about $41. What makes it even more disturbing is in conjunction with that, they've released a Ray Ayanami from Evangelion one. (laughs) And it is basically doing the same thing. You stick, uh, the thing is sticking out of her butt (laughs) the same way. So you definitely got to take a look at these because they're, 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 they're kind of funny to look at, especially the Gundam one. But um, the Ray Ayanami one's mad disturbing. So, And they both come with a USB extension cable. So that's, that's always good for people, too. And the last one is, and I hope I don't put this newspaper out of business, um, the Times in the UK. Uh, I'm not going to go over this too much uh, just because this is, once again, one of these things where um, you know it's, it's better to read on your own time and at your own pace. But definitely a WT. Article here. I guess there is a Gundam Academy that they actually in the some of the colleges in Japan. They actually have symposiums and they have classes where they discuss the science of the science fiction in Gundam wow. and how to relate it into uh, everyday life. And uh, huh. it's it's kind of interesting, but it's also kind of disturbing also because um, you know they, they talk about some of the things like the nuclear powered rockets and the and some of the helper robots uh the robotic engineering i guess is a is a major theme of some of the things they talk about but it doesn't really say too much how they um how they incorporate i think they probably just use gundam as a as a reference point but i guess it's a it's really a push to to use whatever some of the the things that we see on the show they're trying to make it realistic kind there's of been, there's been similar courses in the united states based on star trek and even star wars so but this is also coming from the country that gave you the life-size woman robot yes sir that you could have sex with <laughs> that reminded me of those robots that they have in uh in, in ghost in the shell so, but, I, I wonder where that fits in the law of robotics asimov <laughs> rolling over <laughs> That's that's one of the that's one of the uh, hidden rules of the laws of robotics, but could uh, it be rule thirty thirty four? I I don't know. We're gonna be we're gonna be living in the it's, world of prosecoms one day. It's the dirty, it's 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 the dirty rule. No, because uh, anybody who yikes, but um. That's it on, on news, because uh, this is abbreviated news along with the abbreviated episode that we have here. So once again, I thank everybody that submitted articles and um, you know keep doing it. And hopefully we'll find something as disturbing as Pundum one of these days. One of these days? Impossible. <laughs> I have an additional note for 1% of our audience who enjoys sports anime. The new season of Hajime no Ippo starts up in January on the 6th, my birthday. It's the greatest birthday present man could ever give me. Thank you, Madhouse. Thank you. Anyway, um, if, there's, if that's it, um, we will be back with our first segment in just a little bit. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. I have been having a very bad day. Just got out of jail this morning. Already I have been shot at. I was on the bus and flipped over 17 times. Bitch tried to stab me in the bathroom. Somebody blew up my Porsche. I am in a bad goddamn mood. Now I usually don't jump in when somebody's getting beat down. But this man Jack Cates is going to help me straighten out the rest of my day. Now I suggest you all back up and let us go about our business. Because you got a gun? No, because I have a gun and I'll pop a cap in your ass. Need a cake but you don't want something boring from the local supermarket or bakery? In the South Florida area, try EpicSugarWorks.com. 
This bakery specializes in creating cakes based off of your favorite anime series, video game character, or whatever custom design you're looking for. Their online store also features anime and video game themed chocolate lollipops, as well as gift certificates if you want to give something to somebody. So if you're looking for a cake that's above the norm, go to EpicSugarWorks.com. It's epically delicious. I know you. And I know when you got something brewing. I know it. What I got brewing? You what I got brewing, Ray? You tell me. You done lost your dumb damn mind. everybody welcome back to Gundam at MHQ and we're pulling out an anime spotlight we're finally going to talk about the show that has more drills than Dick Cheney and George Bush combined <laughs> yep Gurren <laughs> Lagan, the show that we've consistently talked around but never talked about yeah so mm-hmm. for this segment we're joined with a special guest uh, Pedro Cortez an associate editor at chumopop.com howdy folks hello Welcome. If, uh, if Pedro you, sounds you. familiar to you, that's because he was the uh, Kitan cosplayer, as heard in our uh, Yusumi-Con episode from a few months ago. Honored mm-hmm. uh, to be here, guys. Thanks for having me on. Oh, you're more than welcome, man. Thank you for coming. No problem. And wow. as a general Gurren Lagan maniac, uh, he was just the man to join us for this segment. Yeah. A little obsessed here. Just a bit. Before, before we jump into it, uh, why don't you tell all of our listeners the depth of your obsession? The depth of my obsession. All right. Uh, basically, if you listen to the podcast uh, for Yusumikan, I really wasn't into mech anime. Like I said, I, I seen Robotech and I liked it, but it didn't really get me. It, it didn't catch me to keep going with robots. Really? Girl Lagan? I watched it, and then I started becoming more obsessed, specifically because of the really, really, really dynamic, at least for me, really dynamic uh, mech design. I really hadn't seen any other just insane, insane robots running around. At that point, uh, Chris started introducing me to other little tidbits, like a, like a, like a good drug dealer. He, the first hit was free, and then you know I had to pay up hard. So uh, I'm paying up now by going through UC era, and... Yeah, um, the depths of my obsession. I've done several marathons, uh, basically introducing the show to a lot of people. Essentially, I've created at least maybe a dozen fans of the show by being like, hey, have you seen the show? No? Well, come on over to my house. We'll watch the whole damn thing in one day. And i uh, done it about like three or four times. And yeah, it, it, it manages to be entertaining every time. It has me, uh, even obviously, you know, you see the major, major events, but like every time you watch it, there's little plot details and little things that you just didn't catch before just because you're too busy taking in the sights and it's just tell them how much crap you have how much crap do i have in terms of statues and in terms of uh rebel text uh basically my most of my desk is covered it's between one piece and between uh Gurren Lagann and all of the my desk space here covered i have a yoko and a lagan to my right and i have kamina pointed to the heavens to my left heck yes it has a lot of mind share and a lot of uh, wallet share as my lack of funds will attest to. <laughs> and just to run it all off, your girlfriend, too. <laughs> yeah, my girlfriend, kind of in an anime before, saw Gurren Lagann, became ridiculously obsessed with Yoko to the point where she dressed as uh, Yoko. Dressed really kind of, not the word, since there's little fabric there to begin with. But yeah, she, it, she was one of the ones who got into it and then as a result is watching not only mech, but just more anime in general. So it definitely is that, that gateway. So you guys are like the evangelists of uh, Gurren Lagann. I've joined the, the cult of Kamina. 
Uh, yeah. we're, we're, we're getting different sections in every uh, state coming up. We're working our way north and west. The statue's wow. being built as we speak. Oh, yes. And that's called with a K. <laughs> Absolutely. For our attentive listeners, uh, Pedro's girlfriend is the Yoko, who was also in our Yusumikan episode. Yeah. And also the proprietor of uh, Epic Sugar Works. So, Uh-oh. you hear the ads. She's uh, That's my lady. So peep the website, epicsugarworks.com, baby. Epicsugarworks.com. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've done our shameless product touring for the moment, so <laughs> why don't we discuss the actual show? You know, basically with Anime Spotlight, you know, we're not going to get into too much of the details because, number one, I don't want to spoil it for everybody, but, you know, you got this basic story of kind of this, uh, you know, shy, weak kid Simon and his, his boisterous sort of like uh, Aniki Kamina who live underground and they break through to the surface out of sheer determination when they discover this little little face robot called Lagan, and they encounter a busty sniper, a gay super mechanic, a guy with a big forehead, a couple of rowdy kids, and a whole bunch of <laughs> other... A hot guy with a blonde hair. Yes, and, and shark fin hands. <laughs> and reverse dogs, reverse dog mounts. Yes, and go on all sorts of adventures to uh, defeat the Spiral King so that humanity can rise from the underground caves they live in and come back to the surface, and all sorts of epic, awesome things happen. So I'll kick it to you guys, first to our guest, Mr. Pedro, a.k.a. our local pedo bear, as opposed to Peter, the Canadian pedo bear. <laughs> Mommy Branch represent. Exactly. So, uh, Pedro, uh, general thoughts on the show. What sort of things do you like about it and possibly didn't like about it? General things I liked about it. Um, basically, from the beginning, it really keeps the, the character types. I mean, everybody can see, like, okay, this is going to be the weak kid. Again, the whole concept of, oh, I just randomly found a key. Oh, here's a random robot. Oh, let me hop inside and do it. All these are tropes that have been visited before many times, but the fact of the matter is that Gurnlagon doesn't care. The show does not care how many times certain things have been reached before. It does it, and it does it with such earnest, 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 just such attitude. And it's really, it's really refreshing to see that, that they're like, yeah, you know what? It's ridiculous. Our robots, they run off of willpower. Awesome. Okay, let's just go with it. Just run with it. Don't think about it. Have a good time. And despite the fact that it has this, this acknowledgement of just how ridiculous some of the stuff is, it doesn't make you question it. It makes complete sense in terms of the universe, and the characters are just fabulous, and they make you get so farther into the into the story. For example, Kamina, in my opinion, one of the most realized Anikis, one of the best older brother characters in terms of how much he cares for Simon, even though they're not real real brothers, you know, he he still cares for him and wants him to succeed and he's you know, for everything that happens to him, he really left an impact on every person that I've shown the show. Everybody loves Kamina. Kamina is the man in everybody's eyes. Some people love him too much. <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> stick around a little bit, a little bit longer, but oh, yeah. But um, I feel the same way, man. I, I'm sitting here watching this show. I, I guess it took me the longest to sit down and watch it, but I finally did, and I, I blew it out in three days, and I was hooked. It was like it was like heroin, dude. I, I'm, I'm sitting here watching it, except I was it was more of an upper than a downer. But <laughs> I, I it, to me. It's it's an amazing show because you have no idea where it's going at all. I kind of had an idea because I heard a lot of spoilers about it. You know, that was my own fault for not watching it for so long. But um, you just don't know where they're going. You just, it, it, in essence, there's the overall theme of moving up. You know, like the Jeffersons, <laughs> <laughs> the Jeffersons of mecha anime. But no, um, wow, it, it, moving on up to the heavens, <laughs> 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 moving on to the big leagues. <laughs> 
<laughs> but um, just just sitting there watching that show, it's a roller coaster ride the entire way. There's surprises around every turn. There's a there's a big event that happens in episode eight, which I was told turned a lot of people off on the show, and it's I can't believe it would because. At that point, nothing is to be expected anymore. Uh, you, you reach that point where if they're willing to do this, and we'll get into it later, but if they're willing to do this, then you don't know what the heck the show has got in store for you later. So that even hooked me more. And I just I, I loved every, every second of it. To me, it's when a guy enacts his greatest anime. Is it definitely beats the stuff out of Evangelion. But they're two separate sh- I think this is just like a natural evolution of where it went. It went from something yeah. super serious as a... It's basically a combination of oh, uh, Dead Leaves, which is an, uh, an OVA done by the, <laughs> the director and the animation director of Jerome Lagan. Yeah. And if you take that and you take Furikuri and you take the what what it seemed Evangelion wanted to be was like some you know like a more of a serious take on it. It combines the ridiculousness and the idea of a of a, that possibility of a serious story and he puts it into something that isn't pretentious. There's no pretension in this. It's have a good time. You know, bad stuff ha- happens, but you know that's just how life is. Yeah. With a healthy dose of Gunbuster. That's right. Yeah. Oh, I was, I was, oh, I was just oh, about God, to mention yes. that. <laughs> but um, it's the best of almost every world that Gynex has put out. But um, Neo, it looks like you you got some things you gotta you gotta express <laughs> yeah, about this geez. show. I gotta kind of bust my way into here to get some words said here. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. It's just, uh, just... It's, no, it's okay. Um, no, basically, um, yeah. When I first saw it, uh, I had seen it kind of sporadically a few months ago. And I was finally able to finish it up during the summer, and yeah, it, as soon as I saw it, it, it was it had all the kind of archetypes of the guy next characters. Yeah, and you know, so I, I kind of knew what I was expecting. But um, I kind of—it's just one of those—it's just one of those shows where it's you—you you don't really take anything too seriously. They—they yeah. um, they do a good mix of of uh, putting enough silliness in there, and you know, over the you know that over the top attitude that it doesn't make sense that you don't know what powers the robots or that's willpower or you know why all of a sudden can these people that didn't know anything about robots are now able to pilot these things like aces. You know, that's stuff you don't care. Um, you know, it, all those questions, just because it was just, um, to me, I don't think it was unexpected, kind of the way the story went. Um, I, I thought there was a, it, it followed a lot of the super robot formula, some of the older shows. Uh, it's, it's a great homage to all the classic shows, um, you know, with... Um, you know, with, with with kind of the you know the the uh, big brother character or the uh, you know the senpai character getting killed halfway through the show, and you know the the growing up of of the younger pilot and and having to take on responsibility. Now the second half of the show um, is very interesting because you have you have it, it it's still got that over the top feeling super robot feeling to it, but they kind of take a turn where they're showing how it's more of a coming age show um you know here here uh simone was you know he was what 14 15 in the first half and then it fast forwards what seven eight years and now he's like the leader of the of you know of of, of the, all the humans basically and and having to take care of all that but um in a way of things that the show's done wrong or anything that was negatives um I don't know. I don't have too, too much that I could really say, um, you know, just besides maybe some few little plot holes here and there. But, you know, every show's got that. So I, I don't I, it doesn't really bother me too, too much. I mean, I'm I'm a fan probably of the three of us on Gundam. I'm the most uh, forgiving when it comes to um, things like that, because, 
in in essence, I just like big explosions and and things that go boom. <laughs> oh, you you get that you get that in spades. Yeah. So, but um, you know, a great show. I I encourage anyone out there to you know definitely check it out. But uh, Chris, I'll definitely you know as as the person who who watched it right when it started and was anticipating its its premiere, you know, I was instantly sucked in by you know sort of the ridiculous humor, uh, you know, really bizarre but amazing mecha designs that uh, you know are just fun to look at because they're so damn weird and just the show that the fact that the show is unabashedly retro and you know for you know much of the first half is let's just have a fun adventure and you know it's not really pretentious or preachy or you know trying to make itself seem like anything more than it is it takes all of these you know old cliches and stereotypes from super robot shows and kind of throws a bit of a different spin on some of them and just has a lot of fun along the way and you know it just really continues that even into the the second part where it becomes a little bit more dramatic and sort of goes more towards a bit of like the real robot side of the way that a story is done but it still falls back on those roots and culminates in you know a big giant finale and what makes this show really work for me is that you know aside from the crazy action and the mecha is that it gives you characters that you really come to care about yeah because that's really the core of of a good series and you know you really see these characters grow from the very beginning to what they become by the end of the show and that's what is what allows the show to be successful yeah i'd have to say that that's um it's one of the few shows where Every character you, you actually care about, um, you know, because uh, you have all the kind of the classic uh, archetypes of the anime characters. Yeah. You know, you, you have the over-the-top gay guy, you know, <laughs> you have the hot-blooded, you know, brother-type guy, you know, Just, the shy little kid, the hot mm-hmm. chick with the attitude and all this other stuff. Fan but service you, galore. You know, and, oh, and, yeah. and the loser nemesis and oh, all yeah. this. But you you actually care and, and you know, you, you want to see what's going to happen. There was not one character that bothered me. You know, yeah. there was no cots in this. I was I was gonna say it's it was just like we said about Gun and Wing last week where you know you saw characters in the background that were interest just as interesting as the characters you 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 were already familiar with in the show. Like um my man um Cotton Hill. What's his name? <laughs> The guy that looks like Hank Hill's dad. Um, he was married to the uh, the engineer chick. Oh. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah him. I, I mean, about. it's like everybody you got a little insight on, and you know you wanted more, but you know it, the show you know didn't have time for that crap. You know it had to it had to keep moving at the fa- frantic pace that it was going, and it was it, it, it it's excellent. On top of that, um. Gurren Lager reminds me a lot about something that you, you I don't know if you guys are familiar with a game on the PlayStation One called Gepi X. It's called 70s Robot Anime Gepi X. It was a shooter. Mm-hmm. But I in, heard, heard it. Yeah, I played it, it too. Yeah, in, in, the, in this game, you, um, you played, um, it was a typical team. It was kind of like, um, what's that show? Um, Get a Robo, where you had a, a team oh. of three guys in their suit combined. Okay. Uh, and you had these three planes. But anyway, you got to a point in the game where you had to kill off one of the characters. And they were replaced by a chick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which kind of happened in this show where um simone's next influence was first influence was kamina and then he dies in episode eight and his next big influence on his life is um the girl that he meets um nia, nia. and um it, it, it kind of reminded me it kind of had that pace and then i find out after watching the show that the show was in part uh, produced by konami so i'm still i'm still waiting for my game konami and i don't mean the ds game well, yeah, that's was, that kind of failing. There was a PC MMO game that uh, was in the beta testing and was canceled because it had this little pesky habit of deleting uh, people's installs of Windows XP. Oh my <laughs> oh, god! Oh, can't have that. Damn. Yeah. So Konami kind of had to cancel the game since it was oh, doing that. Talk about going back to the beginning, Gurren Logan. 
<laughs> See, that, that, that's another thing that's really great about the series, too, specifically about uh, what happens with Kamen, is that Kamen's influence, I mean, his direct influence in the show ends at a certain point, but his the impact that he left on everybody lives stays on. With, yes, it lives on, it li- and literally every every character makes c- references about Kamen and what he meant for everybody. Oh, and, yeah. and one of my friends made this comment that the, the whole show, up to a certain point, is trying to live up to the promise that he made everybody about yeah. going, piercing the heavens and going further, and then at a certain point, you know, they reach they reach that and i without spoiling anything it's just it's really great to see that a character is so developed that even when he's not there that he left an impact on it and that just shows that that's just shown that somebody's written really well and how you feel for the character and that you understand that well it's also got um it's also one of the few shows of just animation live action or what that actually has a positive message oh yeah as, as hard as you focus on doing things as much as you believe in yourself you can do anything that you want um, you know, and, it, and and that's basically what it is. I mean, here are people that live in horrible conditions, um, you know, and here's this guy Kamina that just wants to, you know, he just wants to get to the get to the heavens, and it's an impossible dream yep. at the beginning of the show. But you see that it is finally achieved through other people. He's not able to do it, but you know, the people he influenced, Simone and all those others, they're able to do it. So, um, you know, it was it was definitely um, it, it's it's definitely got you know, I, th- I think that's what really kind of gets it too is not only the action and everything, but there's a lot of positivity in it yeah. that you don't yeah. get in, in anime or. Shows or shows in general because yeah. a lot of shows especially robot shows now they try to be so metaphysical and get into your and soul. grim and just grim the yeah. entire time and grim for the for the fact of being grim and um, yeah the, I would say when you said it's a, a kind of a combination of dead leaves and fully cooler I think that's a, a pretty good car- comparison there because um, you see that especially the action the action of, of dead leaves not not as not as violent as dead leaves but yeah. uh, no no <laughs> but uh, but but as and as intense and as frantic but the um the one one story in the show that really gets me is um the story where Kamina and um Kamina and Simone and a, a bunch of others are trapped in that um was it a, it was a avalanche or something they were they were caught underground and um yeah. they both have two different perspectives of that story yeah. and Kamina you know revealed later on through Yoko that um that uh it was Simone's you know stick to itiveness that really got him you know really encouraged him to encourage everybody else and you know Simone sees it differently where you know it was Kamina's ch- uh, ongoing you know encouragement that got him to keep digging to get him out of that bad situation and you can see how those two interacted and how they worked off each other I I just I I, I love the show for you know the, the, the it's 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 one of those buddy mech shows that you know to me is 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 very very fun to watch and to see how the characters develop especially Simone that, that's like the biggest treat to me when I'm sitting yeah. on watching that show and seeing how far he goes and to see that he finally reaches that goal is is amazing but um but yeah that was that was that was exhilarating to watching that show definitely I would say in terms of like hot blooded action it's it's sort of like it's a sort of spiritual brother from the nineties Gal Gygar yeah oh absolutely. Because both shows are just sort of in the vein of, you know, yeah, Gal Gygar is, you know, for its first half, a pretty basic, you know, super robot and, you know, monster of the week show. But you're still having fun along the way. And then it just gets more ridiculous as time passes, you know, with the hot bloodedness and with the action. And you know, especially when you get to final and all the stuff going on there. So and it has Kiyama, too. You can't forget that. Yeah, Nobuyuki Hiyama, who plays Guy Shishio and Viral in, in both series. Yeah. By the time you get to, you know, 
the stuff that's gone in final, you can see how Gurren Lagann is very reminiscent of that and just balls to the wall craziness. Yeah. Now, at this point, I think uh, since we're at the bus station, got to pull into the uh, Straight Talk Express. All right, making <laughs> make an appearance. There we go. Yeah, which which I purchased from John McCain in a fire sale since obviously he doesn't need it anymore. All aboard. The, the post the post election Straight Talk Express. Yeah, they they took all of the uh, the fancy stuff out of the fridge though. So yeah. Oh, off. But. Um, a couple of things about the Straight Talk Express about Grand Lagan in terms of things people say that annoy me. Uh, number one, I'll kick this uh, to Pedro to comment that it probably annoys him more. Number mm-hmm. one, Nia is a useless moe blob. All right. Yeah, that uh, particularly pisses me off. Uh, just various talk online. It's just the, the rampant fanboyism when it specifically comes with Yoko. Now, Yoko's a fantastic character, don't get me wrong. But in terms of her character arc and stuff, she, she is no less as uh, impressive in her changes as Nia. I mean, Nia starts off as this very, very, you know, this very gullible princess. And while she does remain that, retain that innocence and that sense of gullibleness, she changes as a person as much, if not more. And she has to go through more than, than, uh, than what Yoko has to go through. And uh, not to mention other side effects of being around Yoko for certain people, but it it's just a, an example of just people not paying attention to the character types, and that really bugs me, because when you have characters who specifically are developed very well, and they're just thrown off to the side because they are a quote-unquote moe blob, it's just it's just sad. Just a disappointing thing to see. Sounds like backlash to me because of uh, the whole you know after after Kamen had died and she shows up, people probably looked at her as you know yeah. the, the, the the character that replaced him, and didn't like her from jump because you know they already had a bad taste in their mouth. So they're gonna they're gonna hate on Kamina. I mean they're gonna hate on Omnia. And um she was a she was actually more relevant to the story than I wouldn't say more relevant to the yeah. story, but just as relevant to the story as Kamina was. And you know it, it, that's seen later in the third arc. So I, I you know I I understand I don't understand where people come from. And you know she is a little moe, but at the same time she doesn't overdo it like some other shows I've seen. Yeah, I mean uh, she's yeah. a, she's a she's adorable, but the fact of the matter is that she's just as relevant as any other member of that crew and she's and she does she doesn't just sit around doing nothing i mean exactly. if if you see the stuff that they're doing while they're while in the middle of the rebellion i mean she puts her life on the line and she she does what she can to support everybody you exactly. know and, and she and she has the moxie to face her father i mean anybody who had gotten kicked out like she did probably wouldn't have tried to go and confront him like she did well it, it just goes to show people just don't like change <laughs> yeah yes yeah, that's I, not I, you can believe in no no regarding that <laughs> i i don't i don't understand that because that became he just you know um simon's here's he's he's a young boy and then he becomes a man and you know, of course he gets a love interest in his life so you know she was part of the reason why he was making some of the decisions that he was doing later on so anybody that says that of course i, I don't you know, it, we, we, we really don't like to reference those people. <laughs> uh, not to mention the fact that when, when Kamina dies and, and uh, Simon is in that, re- that really, really horrible funk, just, you know, like most people would be in that situation, like Nia is the reason he got out of it. Because, right. the, because she was so innocent, because she was a very sweet girl, that helped him recover faster. So it's just very counterintuitive for people like hating on her just for that reason. You know? Very true. Right? Another, another thing to add, you know, for, for all of the, the Nia haters or who like to complain, no, Nia is not Lacus Klein. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who says that? She, she's not. She, she's, she's not the freaking Virgin Mary Lacus Klein. Whatever. I don't even want to say anymore. She, she, of course not. She doesn't wear pink. It's in her eyes, but not on her. On her body. Well, her eyes are like flowers. So, yeah, and she does wear pink. But anyway, <laughs> oh. uh, the next stop on the <laughs> oh man, right on. Next stop on the straight check state there. Straight Talk Express. 
Gurren Lagann is the best eight-episode TV show ever. Oh, oh that pisses me off more than anything else. I've, I've heard that argument with the Desco too, where it's a great three-episode show ever. <laughs> it, and to me, um, I was I always look at comedy as a fully realized guy, guy, guy Goji. Really, I mean, to me, it, 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 it you cross you come to that same crossroads in that show where you have to you have to experience loss. You get attached to a character that you really like, and then they they rip them from you. But it's all part of the story, and you just have to deal with it. But some people can't, and then they just want to backlash on the show for the for that reason. And I, I, that's, yeah. so, that's so foolish. And but, I think the people who say this, they really, really miss the point that uh, Kamina was not the main character. Mm-hmm. Simon was, and it was always apparent from the very first episode that Simon was the main character. Yeah. And Kamina was, you know, the Aniki. And come on, as the Aniki character... Did anyone really think that Kami was going to survive all the way through? I mean, I was surprised that he died as early as he did, but yeah. come on, the guy was marked for death from you know the moment <laughs> he busted out on the screen and was called Aniki. Well, the the other problem that I have with that too is it just shows um, that there's a lot of people out there that watch shows like um, like Gurren Lagann, even like a Geass and stuff that have no kind of reference into the robot genre. Um, this has been something that's been going on for I don't know how many years since probably the first mecha animes of the older brother type just getting killed halfway through the show um, it, it you know doing something as... doing something very heroic to save everybody and, and leaving a, an impression on, on the young main character yeah I mean it, it, even I mean, though he didn't on. even though he didn't die it goes back as far as speed racing right it, yeah it, 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 I'm just saying it's nothing new yeah <laughs> yeah I don't see anybody saying oh Macross was the best 18 episode show ever yeah I mean exactly it, it's, it's one of these things where I, I think sometimes people put too much focus on characters. They, they get into the character too much and forget that you know there is a whole show and there are other characters. And just because this guy is the coolest guy there is or they think he is doesn't mean that him living to to the final episode of the show is going to make the show any is, is going to make it any better or any worse. That's the whole character's point. He was the guy to look up to, and um, you know he was he was perfect in every way with his with his with his hot bloodedness. And you know he's he's the guy you want to see as the main character, but you know. You should know better because he's the um, he, he was the the older brother character and they focus on Simon. Simon's the first character you see, and that should already tell you enough <laughs> that he's going to be the focus. I didn't think I, I didn't think it would go as far as it did with him growing older, but um, it, it was it, it still he's still the main guy, and you can see that he's developing. Kamina, so you didn't, you didn't get the beginning then? You didn't notice at the beginning that that was him? No, you mean the, the old Harlockian sequence? Yeah, I knew it because I already knew I already knew some of the biggest some of the biggest spoilers in the show I already knew ahead of time, but. I wouldn't expect a show like that to actually go and take a leap into the future, you know, you know, within its within its run of episodes. It was it was it's very unexpected. And that's that's the main theme with the show is to expect the unexpected. Well, one of the main themes anyway, of course, is moving on up is the main theme. But anyway, no, Jefferson's very confused. Uh, next stop on the Straight Talk Express. Gurren Lagann is the best 15 episode show ever. Oh, Christ. Oh, my God. <laughs> really? Yes, really. Yeah, but again, this probably has a lot to do with, uh, again, th- doing the time jump and having rit- like ridiculous expectations for things. I mean, like a lot. Uh, one of the main complaints I hear from people when the when they're marathoning is the the lull that happens. You have fifty, you have episode fifteen, you have the the recap on sixteen. When you start again on seventeen, you have it spends one episode basically bringing you up to speed. Yeah. And you know, I guess pe- and I guess people didn't like that. Uh, well, viral isn't at the top of his game now. He's you know, now he's just some some rebel. You know, basically everything's calm, and then a new enemy comes in, and I just don't I just don't see why 
the bitterness comes in for that because it builds up to something. And this, you also have to realize this is a Gynax show. Of course they're going to be going ridiculously over the top, specifically when you see what it's building up from. Like if, 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 you're, if you're experienced and you've seen Gunbuster, Diebuster, if you've seen Deadlies, if you've seen Footage, if you've seen everything that leads up that has influences on the show, if you think it was just going to stay on Earth like that, like you're pretty gullible. Like you'd have to look a little further ahead. Well, I mean, people, the, the big problem that people have sometimes is I think there's um, there's been a lot of anime lately that's just held a formula. And you're having a lot of shows now that are kind of breaking a little convention of the formula. And, you know, doing a, a time skip is the new hot thing that they do in anime, especially in the robot animes. I mean, they're doing did it in Kogias. They've done it in Double O. I mean, they've done it in other shows. Uh, but this is kind of like the new plot trick that they're doing. And, you know, people aren't. You know, for whatever reason, they're, they they you know they they like everything the same, even though the people that say they don't like it the same like it the same. Yeah. Well, that's that's what it comes down to when it you know with with anime fans, but particularly with mecha fans that you know they complain you know about a franchise that everything is always the same, like say Gundam. Yeah. But then something like Turn A comes along, and they say, oh, it's too different, and it's not even doesn't even feel like what the franchise is supposed to be. Right. So it's like, well, do you want the same or do you want different? You make up your mind because no matter how it's done, people will bitch and complain. So with Gurren Lagann, you know, if they had a, people have like a very small expectation of what the show is going to be like from its first arc, you know, and they find that the second arc is very different and going a different direction, well, suddenly that's bad because it didn't go the way that you expected, which leads mm-hmm. into uh, sort of on, along the same stop of the Straight Talk Express, what we discussed the last time, you know, when people complain now in this dumb groupthink meme of, you know, oh, the show's trolling us or the director's trolling us. It's like just because, you know, your narrow expectations of, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G that you want to happen didn't happen, it doesn't mean that the director's trolling you. It's just your own personal stupidity. So when people say these things that, you know, it's the best 8 or 15 episode show ever, it just shows a lack of imagination and a very narrow view of what they expect from things. And when things don't match that narrow view, then it sucks. Yeah, I, I don't understand that whole, um, I'm not really understanding that whole kind of way of thinking lately of people, you know, this whole trolling thing of, uh, you know, it's like you've never met this person. You don't know what he's like or her, she's like. Um, the only thing that you know about him is that the previous shows that they've done or some, maybe some things you've read on interviews through magazines or webcasts or whatever. So I, I just, you know, like Chris said, it just because it didn't go the way that you wanted it to go and maybe your favorite character didn't get the ending that you thought he should have got or she should have got doesn't mean that it's a bad show. Um, yeah, and, and apparently now with the magic of the Internet, uh, average fanboy troll A can get inside the head of yeah. you know any director or writer of, of Japanese animation and, and know exactly their motives for doing everything. But... It, it, moving on it, it actually kind of makes me think that um if americans you know are you know the rest of the world is this bad uh, is this bad how are the japanese otaku to those directors because apparently they have a big influence on those guys the whole controversy that happened with the fourth episode uh anybody who uh gets to the first three episodes you know will draw you along you're gonna yeah. hit a brick wall when you hit the fourth episode yeah it, it is um the um the, the animation was kind of lacking in that one but you know, it it happens. It's not like we haven't seen it in other animes. It's it's just part of the you know part of the process of producing a show. Most of the problem is that they have this certain visual style set up for the first three episodes, and they completely change it. Yeah. And uh, if I believe, uh, cut me off if I'm wrong here. But from what I from what I had read, what happened was uh, 
after that episode, uh, 2chan lit up with everybody being particularly critical of this uh, choice. And I, I, a higher up in Gainax went on his own personal blog, and he made uh, some disparaging comments specifically about anime fans, uh, usually yeah. revolving uh, around uh, how being around them is quite unpleasant in a more ruder terms but uh it got out well let's let's get into those ruder terms he said basically get... it's putting your your nose up against an anus and and inhaling deeply Ooh, nice. and these blog comments got leaked and ended up on two chan two channel and um you know everybody went crazy and in typical japanese style uh one of the producers of the show you know he committed uh career harakiri and uh resigned as oh, did um one of these senior Gainax members, in fact, one of the, the founders, he also yeah. did the career Harakiri and uh, stepped down. Oh, my God. Real? Wow, I had no idea. Yeah. yeah. yeah it, was, it was big. And you notice very quickly, once the fifth episode went on, back to that uh, the, the dynamic art style instead of that very bizarre, yeah. well, fairly animated that, stuff. That wouldn't really be a, a, an accurate statement to make because, you know, oh, these shows so. are done well in advance of the time they air and yeah. in the case of the fourth episode it was just a guest director who insisted on doing his own style so it was never going to be that that style was going to show up it's just that this guest director insisted on doing his own personal style oh i thought i thought they sublet it out to the koreans or something <laughs> no no no, <laughs> no the, the, the weird animation that episode is deliberately done that way because the guest director wanted it that way oh right on man well i, I sit corrected <laughs> As do I. But, um, you know, enough about the Straight Talk Express. It's got to go. Oh, man. Get some uh, some diesel fuel. But we should probably mention at this point, since I think we've probably said everything we want to say about the show, that there is, of course, a pair of movies. Yeah. Yes. And while you can get the show in America, and it did recently air on Sci-Fi Channel, uh, movies have not been licensed, and they're basically kind of like a sort of re-edited retelling of you know the story of the show with lots of new animations, some new music, all sorts of fun new things. But uh, you know we have yet to see them here. And the second one isn't out in Japan yet anyway, so those are still in production. Yeah, the first one was just recently, wasn't it? Like, yeah, yeah it came out the theater. And also, since uh, Pedro's expertise is the toys, as we mentioned, since he's from the great Tomopop.com, I asked him to do a little bit of a mini roundup and tell us about some of the fantastic Gurren Lagan merchandise that's on the internets for you to buy. So... Pedro. Yes. All right. So, um, as everybody knows, Gainax is very, very famous for their ability to whore out their franchises. If uh, <laughs> if you see, uh, mind you, Evangelion is now getting the several new movies, but there was a nice uh, stretch of time there where there was nothing, and they'd be pushing out Ryan Asuka in every single possible position and costume. <laughs> so, you know that these people know how to market their their uh, their IPs, and they have done a phenomenal job. Uh, they have, in my opinion, they have yet to make something of substandard quality quality in terms of uh, what they've put out. Um, probably the one that people have seen the most are the Revel Techs, which, if you aren't familiar with, are a set of hypermobile, uh, for the most part, mechs that have uh, joints that let you put them in just about any position you want. It's covered everything from, from uh, Gunbuster, and oh, not Gunbuster, they cover everything from Diebuster, they've covered uh, Get a Robo. And they've uh, done a phenomenal job in covering some of the bigger mechs in, uh, in uh, Gurren Lagann, including the Gurren Lagann itself, the Lazingan, uh, a different version of the Gurren Lagann with the girls popping out from every conceivable hole in its body, uh, the, Ank- the various forms of uh, the Anki, the Anki, the Anki-Doo, and the Anki-Doo-Doo, the, the actual Tengen Topa Gurren Lagann, which is quite a sight to see if you ever get a chance, uh, and uh, a Yoko Fraulein, uh, their Fraulein series of uh, girls. It's been a while since... I've seen such a character, besides Ikatosin, such a, a character 
so pushed, so pushed out. Clearly, this is this girl is the face or the boobs of the show. <laughs> you have uh, so many different versions of here. I'm looking looking at it right now. You have everything from a uh, an actual real type Yoko, what Yoko would look like if she were Asian and had a human body instead of an anime body. It's very very uh, detailed, specifically with how the shading of her body is and how she is in position. Uh, unfortunately, that's a garage kit. It is very, very good. Uh, we have it on Tomopop or look up on Sankaku Complex. Um, it's a garage kit, though, so when you pay it up, you're going to have to glue it together. So do it at your own risk. Uh, Konami has done its own, uh, own 1 8 scale one. Uh, there's Teacher Yoko, which is oh, yeah. utterly yeah. delicious if you can just look that one up. P- Police Teacher Yoko. <laughs> oh, yes. Hot for teacher, indeed. And probably my favorite Yoko of the bunch. There's a relatively new company called iUp. Uh, I'm not sure where which companies. It's made up from several people from other uh, well-known uh, companies. I believe Good Smile is one of them, and I, I don't quote me on this, but uh, I think there was. I don't have it here at the moment, but definitely somebody from Good Smile and from one other major toy company basically broke off and they made their own company. Their first two figures they released were Kamina and Yoko, and I'm looking at the Kamina right now, and it is the gem of my collection. The detail spent on not only the musculature and the tattoos and how they go on his body, but the cape is wonderfully detailed, wonderfully sculpted with the holes torn up, the way that it's molded perfectly, the paint job, glorious, the way that the glasses fit on his face, it's amazing. And the Yoko is based off of a pretty well-known official official art. If you see the second volume of the sub-only releases, it's Yoko dashing off to the side holding her rifle. Yeah, and they yeah they managed to get again unlike the the realistic Yoko this one is obviously more animated but it's still very well sculpted the way that her the way that her torso is shifted the way that uh, her the muscles respond to that they, they they take a lot of attention to detail that most other sculptors would just kind of just throw some color on and just put on a put on a some pegs and sell it out there like they did a hell of a job really and her hair her hair is marvelous the way that it flows out like it's actually in motion and. Those are definitely the the eye up figures are the ones you're gonna look for the most. Unfortunately, they're also the hardest to look for because Kamina most sites sold out before it even came out because everybody was looking forward to it. I was only able to get it because I pre-ordered it like four months in advance when the pre-order first came out. Yeah, and it 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 was worth every single penny in the wait. So basically, the only way you're gonna find them for now, uh, I think they're get some sites are getting a. Uh, a restock, but don't quote me on that because, yeah, they still tend to sell out very quickly. Um, your best bet, though, is convention. Conventions and crossing your fingers and hoping because if if there's any girl login fan that has 70, 80 bucks, they're going to be picking up this figure regardless of food or hotel or anything else that they can get their hand on. Wow. So, yeah. In terms of uh, the, the Plamo, there aren't that many. Surprisingly, you'd figure that there'd be way more out there. But you basically have your Gurren, your Gurren Lagan, your Kinkitan, which, if the unlikely event anybody is listening, please make more Kitan stuff. Uh, you have the Enki, and you have the Daikaiser. So Yeah, I've seen those. Yeah, they're, 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 they usually run about 20 30 bucks, depending. When I went to Otakon, I was able to pick up, or my girlfriend picked up the Kinkitan for me for like 20 25 bucks. Yeah. So they're, they snap together really easy. You need to do some detailing on them, but... They're good, nice, good, cheap kits. And specifically, speaking back to the Revel Techs, um, Revel Tech, the company 
which I'm not sure who owns them, but they actually sell individual joints that you can buy separately. And on Tomopop, one of our uh, one of our bloggers actually managed to make his Kintan, uh Plamo into a Revel Tech. Wow! Oh wow, that's cool. It, and apparently, it wasn't difficult. It just took a little maneuvering because uh, the the kits aren't glue; they're uh, they're clicked together. So, but he was able to put it together in a relatively short amount of time, and it looks pretty good. So it'll do until I get my my uh, Revel Tech Kinkitan, hopefully. Nice. So lots of uh, lots of cool stuff to uh, keep your budget in the in the in, in the red. The, uh, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> Deep in it. Keep, keep keep you in the red like the U.S. <laughs> it's the only way we be do good, it here. Be a good American. Spend excessive. Yeah, be a good American. Spend your money on foreign products. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, that about does it. Does anybody have any closing comments about Gurren Lagann? If you haven't seen it, try it. Um, I'm sure you'll probably like it. Um, and, you know, the best thing to do is just keep an open mind and take it for what it is. Because, uh, you know, is it going to change the world or is it some deep-rooted story that's going to make, you know, that's going to be remembered 300 years from now? Probably not, but it's still entertaining. And it's, you know, if, if you just like to have a fun time watching something instead of watching, you know, the boring stuff on regular TV, then, you know, so boring. check it out. Gurren Logan, the show that's like City of Ember meets Mad Max meets Fallout meets Planet of the Apes <laughs> meets The Day the Earth Stood Still meets the green mile meets um the occasional furry captain harlock and meets every super robot anime ever made oh and, and meets tron <laughs> yeah. Good God, and my my favorite quote from the show is um let's see um when communist says um parents use my name to get children to behave <laughs> when he's drawing that huge ass sword in front of viral oh my god that that the way that scene is directed is 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 genius but um not to go into too much further, yes. but that, that's final my, comments. That's my final comment. Um, and also viral is the joint and I'm done. Yeah. Just watch the show and uh, definitely pick up the volumes. I mean if you don't want if you don't want a dub or you just want them super cheap, you can find you can find uh, uh, the the sub only releases for really, really cheap. Yeah. And it's three volumes, but anywhere between fifteen to twenty bucks. And you got, I mean, each volume and pick it up, please. Support them. All right. Well, that does it for this anime spotlight. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ, and we'll be right back after this commercial break. Teammates, it was an honor to be on the court with you. You guys are the best. Even you, Vakaitis. Damn dumb son of a bitch. You don't understand a word I'm saying, do you? Level. Nine. A lot of games don't necessarily teach accountability. You get you get a free pass here and there. With Mega Man, if you mess up, it's your own fault. Because these games uh, follow a pattern. That's right. It's, your, it's That's right. up to you to learn this pattern, memorize this pattern, and work w- uh, with the pattern. I find myself playing this game, and if I mess up, if I die, if I hit spikes or something like that, uh, you know, I, I take too many hits or something like that, I don't get upset. You know what I say to myself? You know what? I deserve that. It's a more I should have like, known. It's more like two steps forward, yeah. one step back, not one step forward, two steps back, because mm-hmm. it's up to you to trial and error to memorize these patterns and continue on. Not like mm-hmm. these okay. cheap-ass games like yeah. They're Alive 4, <laughs> where no matter what the hell you do, the, the computer's going to keep cheating you. And Listen, it's like, <laughs> life is challenging, everybody. You have to pay attention, and you have to learn from your mistakes. Learn from them, get better, That's and then right. succeed. And that, in the end, is what Mega Man teaches everybody. And I and now as an adult, Nine times over. Keep your eyes open, Rush. I don't trust these guys as far as I can kick them. Kick them? God damn it, man! I swear you guys rip on me thirteen or fourteen more times. 
I'm out of here. All right, everybody, welcome back to Gun Game at MHQ. Uh, we are now going to be continuing on with the 11th installment of Gundam Roundup. Uh, this time we're going to be exploring um, another pretty popular show here on stateside uh, is uh, Mobile Suit Gundam, the 8th MS team. Uh, basically, a little bit of a departure in what we've had, uh, some of the previous um, previous entries that we've spoken about, one being um, this one being an, an OVA, a 12-episode OVA. And uh, once again, we're in the one-year war, so this is a return to uh, Universal Century after a couple uh, ventures into the alternate century with uh, G Gundam and Gundam Wing. And uh, I like to call this one basically, it's like Vietnam Gundam style. Yeah, that the, sounds about right. Yeah, basically what we have here, just to give a quick synopsis and then we'll get into, in, into the panel's thoughts here. Um, and we're also joined by uh, Pedro, who joined us in the Gurren Login discussion earlier. But uh, basically, this, uh, this, this show starts a little bit after the first series begins, and it actually culminates, uh, 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 actually ends before the first series uh, ends. So, or actually, it's, it starts be- before Mobile Suit Gundam, and it ends before Mobile Suit Gundam ends. And no, it starts after Mobile Suit Gundam Is it starts. after Mobile Suit? Okay. Because the first episode has uh, Giren's speech that's about right. it. That's right. It starts, at the, it starts at the death there. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm... And I have to go back and watch this. I haven't seen it in a while. You're really informed. I I am. That's my that's my own informed point of the day. Um, but basically, uh, instead of like just one pilot or one ace or uh, you know one super new kid, new tight kid, uh, we have basically um, we have a pilot that starts off Shiro Mato. He's a graduate of the academy, so he's actually a trained he's a trained soldier. He goes down to Earth to help um, with some of the some of the um, a base down in Southeast Asia where they have mobile suit teams, which are basically uh, based off the original RX-78. And uh, these are kind of the ground versions. Uh, They're much more realistic, uh, much more kind of tank-like, not as fast-moving, not as... um, you know, not as durable as even the original RX-78 because, uh, the, as you'll see in the show, they break down a lot and they're always in need of some type of maintenance. Uh, here he commands um, kind of a squad of about three Gundams plus like a little hover truck. You're introduced to some of his squad mates, uh, one being a guy that came down with him, uh, Mikkel, and it's just kind of like a, a new soldier. Uh, then there's kind of the Soul Bros man, Mikkel Nino. Yeah, Soul Bros man. Oh, yes, man. Uh, we're jo- designated weekly Rosie of the show. With his rosy cheeks and all. Rosy cheeks and all, man. And he even get rosier when he comes out so drunk. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh... Right right into his BB. That's right. He gets, uh... we see that he gets assigned to the squad. He's also, uh, one of the other pilots in it is a woman named Karen Joshua. Uh, she's kind of a strong-willed woman. Um, you know, I guess she was... There's kind of a little bit of a backstory on her. Uh, then... Uh, join with Mikkel in what's called like a hover truck. It's like a support truck. Is um, is a guy named Elidor, and he's kind of like a music buff. Wants to be a musician. Seems like he was kind of drafted in. And the other one is a guy named Sanders, who kind of you know I don't know how you can have dreads in the Federation, but Amen. he does. Uh, and he's kind of like <laughs> After the, the hairdos you've seen. Yeah. <laughs> He's he's kind of the Mister Unlucky character, I guess. Like every every squad that he's ever been to, they all die, and uh, he's he's like the he's like the last um, 
he's like the last survivor, so he's kind of got this Grim Reaper thing. Mm-hmm. Basically, it just kind of shows them going through uh, this area in Southeast Asia, fighting the Zeon. I guess there's a Zeon, a Zeon base there, uh, testing some new um, new weapons and some of the resource bases that they have there. We have, you know, we have some adventures with them as a squad. We see them kind of go from the beginning of uh, Shiro being that that green commander to um, you know, being a full-fledged commander towards the end of the show and, and kind of the way that everybody is, um, you know, the dynamic of everyone uh, getting used to each other's fighting styles. And uh, along the way, actually before before the show, we get, um, you know, before, before um, we get down to uh, Earth, we see that um, Shiro actually talks to, or he actually meets with a girl named Aina who ends up being one of the test pilots for the... Um, for this new Xeon weapon. And it's kind of like in the vein of like the big Zom and all these other large uh, doomsday weapons that they have. So kind of culminates, uh, actually the show seems like it culminates in episode 11. And then we have kind of an epilogue episode. That's not very good. Uh, But, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, you know, so, you know, we, we have basically the, everything that you want, uh, the team dynamic, uh, people fighting with each other, the horrors of war, experienced by the population uh the way that alcoholism the the weird weirdness of these eons how everybody's pretty much out for their own and it all kind of culminates in you know a big two-part episode uh finale that um is in a lot of ways good and a lot of ways bad so uh, but that's kind of a quick synopsis i'm going to kind of pass this on to uh to the guys here and see kind of their thoughts uh Likes, dislikes of, of uh, 08th MS team. Why don't we kick it to the noob first? Yeah, why don't we go right. to Pedro? <laughs> kick it to the noob over here. Um, I'm doing, like I mentioned uh, before, I'm doing my uh, my run through UC. Uh, I've gone through the originals. I've gone through... Um, I've double gone 80. through the uh, 0080, and I got the war in the pocket, and I'm up to this one. And I mean, I don't have a lot of experience with it, but so far, this is the one I've liked the most. Not to say that it's the best, because honestly, the best has been so far the, the original movies, just in terms of scope and in terms of what it's been able to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Of course, comparing a 12-episode show to you know something that's had a longer run is difficult, but uh, I really enjoyed the squad mentality. I really enjoyed yeah. that uh, Shiro is not just some punk who just jumped inside of a mech and just ran off you know this guy has some training this guy knows what he's doing for the most part maybe he might not have uh, combat experience but you know this is a soldier who uh is prepared for the rigors of war and is not any sort of things that happen isn't because of his inability to handle the war it's just him learning his uh, position as commander and specifically what i really did enjoy was the guerrilla warfare it really shows a different style of combat uh war in the pocket kind of had this in terms of uh when the alex was fighting uh, i don't remember what the what the zeon suit was but uh in the terms of the combat on the side yeah I'm a nub, but it's, it's my, uh, I'm pulling the nub card here. <laughs> no, um, but yeah, you're, you're right. It, uh, what we're, um, 0080 touched upon it. This one really explores the whole, yeah. um, yeah. The, the whole ground combat, um, and, and, and just a more, real, more realistic side of the one year war where, you know, you didn't have the, um, the gifted pilot. You had, um, people who, you, you actually had a Gundam lead who was, you know, trained for the suit that he's intended, that, that was intended for him. <laughs> and it yeah. shows up, uh, and he actually gets to pilot it. But, um, it was not just about him, but it was about his whole team. And it just has this whole—it just—it has this whole war movie slash. You know, every time I think about Eighth MS team, I think of the bridge of the river over the river Kauai. Don't ask me why; I just do. <laughs> 
Is it because of the village <laughs> scene? Was it? The village one? Yeah. Probably, yeah. And the whistling. The whistling, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but no, um, I, I love the show because of its more gritty feel and um, and, and its characters and um, save for maybe one or two characters, but we'll get into that later. But um, for the most part, I, I even like the direction of the show, even though it changed hands due to tragedy. But, you know, it's it, it was still an impressive watch. And um, one of my favorite scenes in the whole show is the fight with Norris towards the end. Yeah. Just the way that whole scene plays out is is remarkable. The tension in that scene, the um, the way it just unfolds one man against a whole army you're kind of rooting for him but at the same time you're rooting for the 8th ms team at the same time it's it's it, you're kind of torn yeah <laughs> and it, the, the build-up towards the end is 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 excellent and then you get the epilogue which we'll get into that later too <laughs> but um <laughs> well even even the, even those episodes there's we can get into that later true but, but uh, any any other th- any any thoughts chris Definitely uh, one of the things that they really struck me later when, when watching this other series. Uh, Neo, you, you finished watching uh, Votums, right? Yeah. Do you, do you, would you think that um, 8th MS team definitely takes a huge inspiration in its tone and style from the Kuman arc of oh, Votums? Def- definitely. Definitely. There's, there's such a parallel. It's, it's, it's almost scary. I mean, Votoms is is a little bit more grounded, more into the realism. I mean, as much as they stress it in 08, um, you know, it's, it, you know, the Gundams are still kind of that super fantastic weapon. So, but yes, it does. Yeah. I think the Kumen definitely has much more of the Vietnam with mecha feel. It yeah. really feels like much more so, especially since, you know, it was much more fresh when Votoms did it because that was in 1983. I mean, not even a decade after the, the end of the war. Yeah. Whereas... You know, 8th MS team was hitting us up 20 years later. However, definitely one of the underrated aspects, I think, of the show is the way that um, the mecha designers and in part uh, Kimitoshi Yamane went and turned all of the really goofy looking, you know, support vehicles from Mm -hmm. the original series and turned them into like actual real looking military hardware. Like, you know, the Magella attack from the original series, you know, the, the tank with the flying turret that can separate looks really stupid but in 8th MS team it looks like something that could really exist and that's one of the things that I think is one of the enduring legacies of that show is you know giving realistic credible versions of all of these kind of goofy 70s vehicles and making them look up to snuff gun tank gun tank definitely uh, <laughs> Even though Gun Tank was awesome in the first one. I like the uh, the team aspect, which kind of fades in the second half, which I guess is to be expected when you switch directors since uh, the, the original director, Takeyuke Kanda, died halfway through the show. And it definitely shows where, where you see the change. Dramatic, yeah, yeah, dramatic shift. Yeah, I mean, in the finale, you know, even though it's very thrilling, the whole team aspect it's is gone. kind of gone, and it yeah. comes down to just Shiro and Norris. Not that it's not a great battle and is, you know, one of the most well-staged battles in Gundam, but you're still kind of missing a little bit of that team aspect. Yeah. One thing that I didn't like in terms of uh, Shiro's development, which, again, might be due to the switch in director, is after his Hot Springs adventure with Aina, uh, he kind of just turns <laughs> into a peacenik. Yeah. And it's just kind of inconsistent with what was, you know, there before, where he has this pass with the Xeon because he was at a colony gassing and he was talking at the beginning of the series about how he's going to go down and beat up as many Xeon as he can and all yeah. this stuff. So it's kind of a strange shift. It's not as bad as the Lost War Chronicles manga and that guy, Matt Healy, who <laughs> yeah. takes being a peacenik to a moronic new level. Yeah. <laughs> and I think you guys might have discussed it when you were talking about Gundam manga like a long time ago before I even joined the show. Yeah. 
Did you guys do Lost War Chronicles? I don't think we talked we about did, it, but uh, I've read it, yeah. and I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that guy's an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the worst protagonists ever. You don't, you don't take peacenicking to the level that you want to save an enemy pilot and, in doing so, cause one of your guys to die. Yeah. Jesus. That's just really dumb. But anyway, uh, you know, Shiro's sudden, like, peacenickness is kind of, kind of annoying. Um, in a way, you know, the development of his romance with Ina is also kind of goofy that, you know, they, they meet, like, two times and suddenly they're just deeply in love. Yeah. It's his voice. That's what it does, man. <laughs> I, I guess so. the blood within. And though I know that I will probably anger Mechatok's resident uh, Guineas fangirl by saying this, uh, Guineas, even though he shares the same voice actor as Max Genius, is just completely, like, one-dimensional cardboard villain guy who is not compelling in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I meant about that whole thing of just the Xeon just being as portrayed in other previous UC as just being like these power-hungry separatist people within yep. there. It's the same thing with him. It's like, I don't know. Well, the, the going, going into Guineas, um, do you think he suffered because of the, the death of the original director? I mean... I just don't think anything was there. Well, I mean, I don't think there was much. I mean, he's kind of, even from the very get-go, he's kind of one-dimensional, and he's pretty kooky because, you know, when when, uh, Yuri Kalarni's first introduced, we see how pissed off Guineas gets when this guy shows around. Yeah. Yeah, If I remember correctly, they didn't end up doing anything with this guy. I mean, he, I remember seeing him and then him going off screen and then everything changed. You know, I I never saw him mentioned again. I mean, he was just, he was just the engineer and he was just like the sickly engineer was just trying to prove people wrong that his design would work and yeah. so he's a howard hughes of zeon it's not even that it's just uh i mean he just outside of that there just wasn't much more of him that that they what that they showed one I mean. of the things i do like about this show speaking of zeon is is that every with every introspective we get on the one-year war we see that there are more and more seeds of discord on the zeon side and you it, it doesn't matter what story it is you just see that you know they were destined to lose because they really weren't organized in their um in their attempt to um to to complete their goal everybody had their own angle and whatnot yeah I guess Guinea is a prime Guinea is a prime example of that. If you really think about it, also like uh, the Federation too. I mean, they're really a bunch of dicks. I and mean, then as you watch more and yeah, more and yeah. more, you you really see it. Like understandably so that there's the whole. I mean, watching Miller's report. Um, mm-hmm. And then, I mean, you have to consider his actions were, but their actions for abandoning him and sending him in like that. I mean, they're 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 being a pain in the ass, and they're just as in different ways. They're just as corrupt and and not really deserving of. Uh, of continuing their of their reign in the Xeon or in their yeah. rebellion. I guess yeah, that, that's pretty uh, evident when they are trying to get into the base yeah. in the mountain. Yeah. And they're just sending like team after team in there, and I guess they're you know they're like the only way you can get into us is like with a, a nuclear bomb. And since they're they're you know banned by the Antarctic Treaty, the the commander I forget what that guy's name is. He's like, well, that's kind of like what a, a the reactor in a mobile suit. So yeah. I mean, he was just sending these people in there to get killed to detonate the fusion reactor. So. What's another hundred soldiers? In defense of the Federation in this particular series, because obviously the Federation gets you know evil by the time of Zeta. But mm-hmm. you know, in in the in the original OAVs and in the original series, you know they kind of go to the pains of saying that yeah, they're bad.
bad, but they're the lesser of two evils. Oh, yeah. And also the dickery yeah. from HMS team comes from this guy, uh, Ethan Ryer. Right. As yeah, you know, yeah. you know this guy Kojima, you know Shiro's commander. You know, obviously is a more level-headed guy who doesn't go with along with the crazy suggestions that Ryer has. Like, oh, you know, it'd be bad if a mobile suit accidentally exploded inside there and you know set things off. Yeah. So yeah, you know, the Federation as a general is not that great, but you know, a lot of it is is pointed at the you know Ryer and the guys who work alongside him as being yeah. responsible for that. Do you think that has anything to do with the mentality? I guess there's there's the mentality of the soldier who's actually on the battlefield, and you have the mentality of the commander. Oh yeah. Who I, I mean, mean that's what they were showing. Because I mean, yeah. the whole reason why the Xeon rebelled is because there's the elite on Earth who are you know you know pretty much ruling the stars and you know everything else with I would say an iron fist. But um, do you think it might have something to do with that mentality as well? I just oh yeah, it, it definitely shows that. I mean, here's the, he was the top commander, but it, I think in a lot of ways too, it showed that um, like Chris said, it is the lesser of two evils, but it also showed how big of a bureaucracy and you know how the the Federation to an extent it couldn't really take care of itself and it yeah. had really no leader to really unite it and you just like in the with the Xeon that we saw uh, you see all these guys you know doing their own thing like Guineas or you know who and some of these other shows um, Delaz and all these people yeah. uh, they, they have the same thing here because it, it was isolated I mean uh, they were in Southeast Asia a lot of the fighting was you know getting you know all over and the Federation was pretty much had their tails kicked on Earth. But the the other thing that I, one of the things I do like about it is it also showed the um, the Federation's attitude of mobile suits, especially at the beginning of the show, where they were still kind of used as a support vehicle to their traditional ground forces. Mm-hmm. Whereas you know, of course, Zeon that was their main their main ways of um, you know doing combat. And then we see uh, through the show that the the role of the mobile suit starts to become you know larger and it starts to become a lot more prominent. Where at the end. And it's pretty much what's needed to, you know, defeat the Xeon. So I, I thought that was a pretty interesting way of showing it because, you know, you could still see there were doubts on this whole idea of humanoid robots doing fighting, you know. <laughs> so, but I mean, it's it was it was definitely um, the realistic feel was great. Um, I do agree with Chris. Uh, some of the as as much as I don't mind Ina, but the whole kind of love thing is kind of out of out of left field. You, you know, it's just like you've met somebody twice, and yeah. it, it seemed like it was just more of an effectuation thing it's, it's, like, it's not as shoehorned in as say uh, the whole love triangle in 0083 but yeah. you know it, it, it's still kind of far-fetched for the fact that you know these people only met a few times and you know they're, they're passing fancy although they did spend a couple hours surviving together so right. you don't know what kind of impact that may have had on the two of them. Yeah, I know, but it's but it's still kind of, you know, it, it, you could you could big, yeah, I mean it, to call it true faith, love really. as as opposed to like infatuation yeah. or like a crush. I mean, that's that's I guess that's kind of the way that he was probably stating his thing, you know, his his observation on that but the other nice thing was um you get also the depiction of once again just um uh is the effect of on the human populace like with yeah that's really interesting yeah with uh with the village kiki's village and some of the other stuff one of my one of my favorite scenes is um the showdown in the village where they use the anti-personnel bomb towards the end and those villagers get killed oh wow that's that's that is this was just one of the rawest scenes i mean i love i love the the approach they took the gorilla approach they took to defeating them, the Xeon, they were in that town, and the Xeon weren't detected as complete villains. You know, they were they were just people trying to get you know get get to where they were going. Well, they were just trying to get food. Yeah, they're trying to get food, yeah. and they were trying to survive themselves. And of course, you know, the villagers are not too keen on the Xeon because you know they, they've been doing nothing but raping and pillaging. <laughs> but um, the fact that those people got 
pulled into the mix like that and they became casualties of war a battle that shouldn't have been theirs to fight in the first place you know it's just it just gave you a more realistic edge um to what war what happens in war and i, I love that that's probably one of my favorite episodes in the show is that one i think it's episode eight i could yeah. be wrong I don't know. Yeah. But I'm in agree with you, Chris, though. As much as I love the last, basically, they are kind of last two episodes, 11 and 12, The Shuttering Mountain. 10 and 11. Oh, 10 and 11. I'm sorry. That, I mean, he was a great, he, you know, he was a great pilot and he was just, you know, he was the true ace yeah. of, of of the show. Um, but I that whole, they did kind of, you know, basically Shiro wins doing the thing that didn't. Uh, that they learned earlier that didn't work before was yeah. not, you know, they always won by using teamwork and, and using each other and, you know, devising some tactic or, you know, something like that. And it just, I, I did, was, I was kind of taken aback with that because it is, this is a great, this is a great showdown, but it should have been Norris versus the 8th MS team, yeah. not Norris versus Shiro. It was in the beginning. And, you know, Shiro got, you know, kind of punked there in that part. That, that to me is my favorite scene during the whole thing where, um, He's inside the suit and he can't see what's going on outside and he's freaking out. <laughs> well, yeah, but and, and those moments of silence—they really captured that tension. But, but, of just but being in the absolutely end, blind. But in the end, it was yeah. it he, was he title from, character fighting, you know, big baddie. He it went wasn't from, where in the you know, and, and like you guys said, maybe it was the, the switch of the directors. He, but the he went um, from crying to cowboy. In yeah, point, in point six seconds. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it was just like you know, they they lost the whole. Even though he got he got rattled, they lost the whole idea of I have three, I have two other Gundams with me that are mm-hmm. my teammates and you know we've been through so many battles and, and and done some stuff but i don't know but uh chris uh pedro i think that that final fight really just shows the breakdown of uh of uh, shiro for instance like before he would rely on the teammates but because of what happened like he's so shaken up by what happened with aina and the hot springs and everything leading up to his court marshalling like if anything that highlights more the change in the character instead of like relying on his teammates he does it by himself and you know yeah he does do what he needs to do with norris but you know he com- he failed as a commander yeah yeah i could see that but i don't know it's it, it it's, doesn't mean you like it it just it, it just well happens. it's it well it's also the thing too is as unlike the other some of the other title leads in gundam shows this guy was you know he was a trained soldier so it's at that point that you know soldiers are broken down to you know learn their training and at that point you think his training would just you know overtake you know his his mental breakdown on that granted i don't think that you know i'm sure there's times it doesn't but i don't know but chris what were you going to say since you mentioned it uh, at the beginning and i was going to bring it up anyway uh the ending of the show oh something needs to be mentioned because oh. <laughs> you know unlike most other Gundam shows and OAVs you know the climax basically the show ended at episode 11 and then later on they produced this epilogue 12th episode which you know is sort of the the story of of Mikkel and Kiki searching for Shiro who disappeared after the last battle and honestly I really didn't like it at all yeah I'm with you it's uh, the whole story uh, sort of like you're in the last episode introducing new storylines, you know, with these new type kids from the Flanagan Institute who crash on Earth and, you know, they're kind of living in the jungle and they all have the names of the 8th MS team. So if you wanted to do that, you shouldn't have done that in the last episode. And I think it's a really waste of an oppor- big waste of an opportunity to show what happened to all of the other characters because we don't see Sanders, we don't see Elidor, we don't see uh, Karen. Um, Ina and Shiro only appear at the very last shot of the episode and don't have any spoken dialogue at all. At all. And Mikkel was just never really that much of a 
interesting, interesting character. character. Yeah. So he can't really carry an episode on his own. Another thing that was kind of a missed opportunity was this is one of the uh, very few OAVs or anything in Gundam where we get to see uh, the immediate post-war era. Yeah. You know, before we get to 0083, and you don't really see much. I mean, you see, yeah, you see, like, wrecked crap in the jungle, but you kind of saw that in the main show anyway. So it kind of would have been nice to have, you know, something set somewhere, whether it's in Earth or space, following, you know, what happened to the world after this war ended, and, you know, what was the big impact of this war, and what happened to all of these people instead of, you know, let's go down the river searching for Shiro and run into all of these annoying new-type rats. <laughs> They don't even tell you. They don't even tell you how long it's been since the um, since the war ended. You know? Exactly. Well, the the other thing that she's, I mean, when you're saying about the new type rats, it's funny that throughout the whole show, the first eleven episodes, there's nothing about new types. Shiro's not a new type. None of the pilots are new types. Yeah. But then, for whatever reason, and and I'm cool with that. It, it yeah, was it was I, nice to I like see the drop of the Flanagan Institute in there. But, I mean, that was cool. But no, I I I don't think it was. It was just it was just such a departure of. Here, you know, here we go through a new type free show. We're just seeing how it's it's basically affecting the common soldier. And now, for whatever reason, we have to input in, in new type kids that are in a what is it, Komasai capsule, and yeah, it's just like it didn't make any sense. And well, yeah, I mean, they didn't really exhibit anything new type in the episode, but I mean, but just the fact were, that they mentioned them, I, yeah. I don't even think they mentioned new types throughout the show. But, I mean, the Flanagan Institute was mentioned, so you know what comes from that. So, but but I, yeah, it wasn't. I mean, but it wasn't needed. I mean, yeah. it was just like I'd rather I'd rather have a, a much more concise wrap just, up episode. Or just end it the way it was ended. Yeah, eleven really? ended it fine. You didn't need yeah. any sort of wrap up with some ghost children running around. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, well, if you're if you're not going to give me uh, if you're not going to give us the you know the aftermath of the battle and what happened if Eldor became a, a songwriter and yeah. all this other stuff that um, you know then just ended at eleven. Well, what was funny to me <laughs> is when it first aired on um when it first aired on the on on the midnight run way back in the day and they didn't air this episode. I was upset. I was pissed. It's like, isn't this episode? Isn't this show like longer than this? And then I finally bought it on DVD and yeah. watched it. It's like, you know what? I'm glad. I, I like, didn't need it. <laughs> for, for, exactly. For once, I agree with adult. <laughs> once I agree with Cartoon Network. <laughs> <laughs> Which I should add uh, for a very brief uh, cameo from the Straight Talk Express. Mm -hmm. It's annoyed me to no end for years at the time that this show aired and on Cartoon Network that. Uh, People just couldn't quite get right how many episodes this show had, right. and they would talk about how it had thirteen episodes. Yeah, be like, "Oh, Cartoon Network didn't air the thirteenth episode." <laughs> like, what, are you, what are you talking about? There, there is no thirteenth episode. Just I don't know what the hell they're saying, and that's like I don't know. Like somehow they counted Miller's report as something separate, and they think that episode twelve battle and then 13 is the epilogue and it's just for like a good two or three years it's like hello did they not to look up basic information on the internet there is no 13th episode exactly did they did they they showed miller's report though on cartoon network they, they did that's they, they showed that's like a hybrid they, yeah. they they showed they showed a, a kind of a, a kind of a, 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 a i would say a combined edition it was like a like a almost like a director's kind of in a sense because yeah. it was episode eight with all of the miller's report footage which i yep. thought was kind of neat yeah i yeah. thought it was cool too i think it was a very smart way to present it and and because um, after sitting on watching the original episode seven and then watching Miller's report, there are things that are missing from both, and they just they 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 put it all together. I, I, as far as I I understand, they put it all together. But it was it was it was very neat to see. Well, I guess a good question would be here uh, before maybe we wrap this up to uh, Pedro for being you know pretty much because uh, it's pretty well stated that, you know, me, myself, Chris, and um, Solbro, you know, we have a pretty good grasp of uh, the Gundam franchise, the Gundam shows in general, and, and you've stated earlier that you're slowly getting into this. Um, 
what are you know what are some of your thoughts on the actual show and and how it works and kind of the lore of Gundam that you're that you're seeing right now and you know if how you maybe position this as you know to tell others to watch that maybe haven't really gotten into Gundam or something like that. Um, the way that Chris is presenting it to me, in other words, going in uh, in terms of uh, the timeline and the show being presented, the first movie, then um, then War in the Pocket, and then AMS Team. Like I think that's the best way to do it because it really fills out like some of the blanks that now I haven't seen Zeta yet, but from when I listened to your uh, when you were when you did the roundup on it and you were talking about it, like I see how this would fill in some of the gaps of what's going on elsewhere around. And the one thing I really, really, really like about this and like more so in my opinion more so than actually the original mobile suit is it really shows the rigors of war because it's in a jungle it's in personal contact. This isn't this isn't like in in space where you can't really go out unless you're in a suit. I mean you can walk outside of your suit, you can walk into the village and you can actually see you know the reaction of a giant robot destroying an entire track of land where people live and seeing for example that that uh that anti-personnel mine just blow up and wreck all the people in that village i mean that really shows the horror of war and one thing that like i really see is that shows that war doesn't pay off it's just very destructive and we shouldn't have it this so far anyway really has proven that and i really think that despite it despite some of the flaws that it has it's you know my it's my favorite so far so basically i guess chris is showing you on the uh through the UC chronological calendar, then oh man, he's, he's doing uh, he's doing Project UC. Project I've already, UC. I've already done it myself <laughs> too. Did. Where you actually watch the um, you actually watch the shows yep. as they progress through Neo the UC his, timeline. He has his PhD all the way up to Victory. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I really want to see Victor. Victory is the one uh, that I'm uh, the most interested in. Buckle up. <laughs> so I guess I guess of of the three of pretty much you said you've watched the three shows so far. This is. Yeah. probably your favorite one or the one that kind of grabbed you the most so far so far it's it would be a toss-up between the original movies and this one and yeah. i like the original movies but i really like the the jungle warfare of this one so yeah this one being the, the top one so far cool any final thoughts soul bro i'd definitely if for anybody who's been exposed to mobile suit gundam i'd, I'd definitely recommend this as a follow-up to just expand um, the experience of the one-year war and um watching this show again just gives me more of a hunger to play that bloody game which you'll never get operation troy oh, oh my god that's all all that game is is 8th MS team. I'm so pissed. But um, <laughs> anyway, 8th um, MS team, excellent show. Excellent soundtrack, by the way. We didn't mention that. But um, the orchestral yeah. score in that show is amazing. I bought that CD years ago. I still listen to it. And um, you'll be hearing it in this episode, of course. But... <laughs> Other than that, um, fantastic show, fantastic characters, and even though the shift in directors, I still enjoyed it in the end. That epilogue, though, watch at your own risk. <laughs> uh, Chris, any uh, any final thoughts from the Straight Talk Express or anything? Or? Uh, Straight Talk Express already pulled off. Sorry, left. Off into the sunset. Uh, it's 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 a great show. It's enjoyable, very enjoyable, despite a few flaws. And uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, Bandai's re-releasing it early 2009 as uh, Anime Legends. Oh wow. Ooh box set so you can get the whole thing for cheap like around thirty dollars for the whole show so no reason to skip out on it now if you haven't seen it wow so okay well um i guess that uh concludes our uh, 11th installment of uh the mobile suit gundam the oath ms team uh pretty much you know just like everything it has its positives it has its negatives um definitely you know if you haven't checked it out if you want something in the uc timeline that's that's a little bit different and maybe not as uh supernatural as um you know philosoph- philosophical as uh the new type storyline so definitely check this out but um uh, we're going to be ending this roundup of oafms team stay tuned because uh, the next show that we're going to be doing which is going to be the 12th installment of Gundam Roundup 
is going to we're going to be returning to alternate uh, universes, oh, uh, going with After War Gundam X. Oh man, um, we finally get the, the discussion of Jamil Nate. Oh, yes. Snap. So uh, I guess that'll actually be a, a very good uh, discussion point too, because uh, outside of some of the other shows that have that have been released in the U.S., this one hasn't, but. Uh, this seems like, especially with Mecha fans, it has a very large following. I'd almost say in a ways of um, elicits emotions just like uh, Gundam Wing does. So I, I will say this in regards to X real quick. If you go to Gundam.net, there is a petition going for um, After War Gundam X. And if you can have the time, go to Gundam.net, look at the links off to the side, and click on that link for the petition and sign it. Um, it doesn't have any signatures now, but it may in the future. And hopefully this show will help with that. <laughs> but anyway, I'm sorry. Seriously, a, a, a petition won't do anything. Yeah, not petition. Dude, no, online petition. <laughs> online petitions are a complete joke. Dude. They just make the they just make the authors feel good, right? <laughs> it's basically it's basically um, masturbation. Yeah. So, but um, yeah. So join us uh, for next show on uh, for After War Gundam X. But uh, this concludes uh, the eleventh installment of Gundam Roundup. Uh, 08MS team. We'll be right back. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. Striking out on finding your favorite manga, anime, or series merchandise nearby or online? Lost when it comes to finding pop music from Japan, Hong Kong, and other Asian markets? Well then, Florida Oriental Trading is here to help. If you live in the Central Florida area, head on over to the intersection of Colonial Drive and Mills Avenue near downtown Orlando. You'll find FOT right next to the CVS Pharmacy. For those who live abroad, find out more about our favorite store online at FloridaOrientalTrading.com or call them directly at area code 407-895-0650. FOT carries a large selection of merchandise such as art books, t-shirts, posters, wall scrolls, soundtracks, PVC figurines, models, and much, much more. Also, it's a great place to find imports of your favorite musical artists and the latest films from Japan, Hong Kong, and other Asian countries. Last but not least, Florida Oriental Trading is not only home to the best selection of anime on DVD in Central Florida, but there you'll find a wide variety of manga too. On top of that, all of their manga is always priced at 20% less than retail, daily. 20%. That's right, Frank. 20%. Florida Oriental Trading is open every day except Wednesdays from 10 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You even find them open most holidays. So if you're local, stop on by and visit Quan and Debbie or give them a call at area code 407-895-0650 and give them the business. Tell them Gundam and MAHQ sent you. Gundam! Everybody, welcome back to Gundam at MHQ, and we've reached the end after a kind of a stripped-down episode following the massive show killer we did for episode 23. So this time, uh, with our special guest Pedro Cortez of Tomopop.com, we did an anime spotlight for Gurren Lagann, fantastic super robot awesomeness of hot-blooded man action. Yep, yep. And uh, then. For Gundam Roundup, for the next installment, we took a look at uh, 8th MS Team and uh, 
its Gorilla Gundam action. And anybody have any closing comments or announcements before we sign off? Eighth MS Eighth MS team is a great eleven episode series. Um, I just I just want to give the Neo salute to one of the well deserved people on the Mecha Talk forum, Wingnut, for keeping the Sajanistas in check uh, by diluting by dashing all their crazy hopes of one of the lamest characters ever in the Gundam franchise. So uh, you say. Um, he's, he's been doing a lot of great work uh, for me and Chris in the uh, the King Arthur thread and the uh, the also uh, Saji Crossroad crew thing, keeping these guys in check. Yay. So <laughs> just want to give him the, the second Neo salute. So thank you, Wingnut. Keep it up. Well, I, I, you know, we need more people like you in America. We do. <laughs> I'd like to say word to um, Jeremy and Andrew from uh, Destroy Our Podcast, DX, for having me on. Um, their five star stories episode oh, you yeah. can go to Pod- their website soul bro big podcast uh, <laughs> superstar now <laughs> those guys uh, th- i appreciate i thank you for the invite and i i enjoyed being on and um if you guys want to check it out just go to destroy all dx.com and check that out also um check out our other podcast um with shinjuku station level nine just go to level nine show.blogspot.com and give them a give them a whirl and also peep the websites um Gundam.net. Um, also, um, you can check us out on MySpace. We're also on iTunes as well. Um, just and uh, also Zoom. Just look up um, Gundam. Of course, the the mother of all Mecca websites, mahq.net. And um, last but not least, you can reach us by email at gundammahq at gmail.com. Hey uh, Neo, you think Mister uh, Mister Big Time Podcast Guest? Now that he's you know all over the internet, he might end up firing us. <laughs> you never know. You never know. We, we, we are in that climate right now in the U.S. of uh, massive layoffs. So I know. I know. It, 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 could, it could hit the podcast industry. all the money too. I'm spending on this stuff right here. Yeah. <laughs> could be the po- it could be the podcast industry. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, I can't do the show without you guys. <laughs> I, 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 I don't. I don't think. I don't think it, it's. It's probably not doing their show. But if he does another show, yeah. that's when it'll probably his head will probably get very yeah, big. That's when my head will probably, get as big as own. We'll probably be gone. <laughs> if he's on. If he's on Anime World Order, then I guess that's the end for us. <laughs> In a lot of ways. <laughs> But, um, yes. So this is Chris saying goodbye for possibly the last time. You and, wish. and Neo says, <laughs> says goodbye too because it, it might be the same thing. And, and and I should probably follow up by saying we're, we're, we're joking. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it comes yes. out. Don't send me a zillion email saying, oh, no, it's the end of goddamn. Why? I love the show so much. Oh, Adam's a dick. Yeah. yeah. We're joking. We're joking just like we joked when I killed Ganado. So right. it's, it's just a joke. <laughs> Single-handedly, <laughs> just a joke. Because as you see, CNN's still around. As of for the moment, <laughs> with hey, the I, holographic pe- presentators. Hey, I, I keep. Uh, it can, can take those holograms and stick them where the sun don't shine. I, I keep. Uh, I keep checking the Fox uh, News website for uh, applicable ar- articles and news stories. So work hard uh, on that one. You'd be doing America a favor. <laughs> the BBC will thank you. Yeah, if, if you can put, you know, Sean Hannity and, and Bill O'Reilly out of my misery, then I would I would have, I would, you know, thank you eternally. Damn yeah. right. Well, join the crowd on that one. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, all right. Sign us aside. But, uh, well, that's that's it for this episode of Gundam at MAHQ. We'll be back again with more Mecha Goodness next time. See you later. Bye. Later. Peace. Commander, I think what you did back there was cool. 
Shut up and keep driving. Gundam at MHQ is a Shinjuku station in MHQ production. Ha ha ha!